I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Do you know Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Well, I know who he is. Yes, indeed. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. A special thanks to the king, Howard Eskin, and my favorite sports radio caller, Jim from Havertown, for that introduction. It was a fantastic introduction. I appreciate it big time. Yes, I'm Kevin Kincaid. It's always soccer in Philadelphia, and it is a beautiful uh, episode, an episode that I have been looking forward to, to a, for a long time. Because we actually have a soccer game to talk about, an actual game, a one nothing Philadelphia Union victory. It's a beautiful thing, and I know that you've been waiting to talk about it as much as I have. Uh, joining the program uh, today, somebody who I've been meaning to get on for a long time now. I don't know how we've done 108 episodes, and I haven't uh, had him on yet. It's a travesty, really, if you think about it. It's Philadelphia Union original, uh, an old friend of mine, Corey Farlin. Corey, what's good, man? Not too much, Kev. I appreciate you having me on. And um, the reason you haven't had me on is because I'm not that important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a Philadelphia Union community. I mean, not, are, are any of us really that important? You know, we either just, no, correct. We either just write about the game or talk about the game or watch the game. You know, it's just uh, in, the, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's only soccer, right? But Some of us think we're, we're really important, but, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> So listen, man, it was, uh, I don't know how you feel probably the same as me, but I was, uh, thrilled to wake up at seven o'clock this morning, ate some cereal, put my daughter in the car, stopped at Dunkin' Donuts on the way to the nanny, dropped her off. I got two stories up, one about Deshaun Jackson, one about Steven Jackson. And, uh, thankfully we don't have to talk about any of that stuff on the show. And then nine o'clock, nine o'clock Philadelphia Union soccer's on again. It was a beautiful thing, man. And, uh, listen, man, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, I don't think that game is going to appear on, uh, you know, ESPN classic anytime, anytime soon, but, uh, three points, three points, Jim Curtin will take a one nothing win any day of the week. And, uh, you know, if you're a union fan, I guess it's hard to, hard to be not satisfied with that. I think everybody's probably happy with, uh, what they saw, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like you said, to, to kind of echo that opinion, you know, I'm used to waking up at you know, seven, eight in the morning you know, on the weekends, and you turn it on, and you see the Liverpools of the world, and you see, you know, uh, Man United, Man City, Burnley, like whomever, uh, and it's and it's cool. Like I enjoy it. Like believe me, as as a fan of the game worldwide and been playing it my whole life, like obviously that's at the best level, and I can enjoy that. But like, there's something to be said about like the same kind of routine. You wake up, you have your coffee. You roll over to the you know front of the thing. I'm actually working from home given the current pandemic and situation that's going on. So like, open up my work computer, get fired up, and then like I turn on the TV and like I see Andre Blake and Jim Curtin and and you know Ali Bedoya and, and the whole crew like walking out onto a field. And I'm like, is this really happening? Like, wait a minute, we haven't had sports in you know we. I mean, the Union where the it was four months ago that they played that absolute like rager in LA at you know 11:30. 
o'clock at night. This is like the opposite end of the spectrum. We're playing at nine in the morning, and like I don't know if it's real or not. It's kind of wild. Yeah, no, I mean, like when you think of the optics, you know, I mean, part of the reason, you know, they do the nine a.m. game obviously because it's hotter than Hades down in in Orlando in July. Um, but right. you know, you get that 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 great. Well, it's not prime time. It's not prime time. It's a but it's a prime slot on national television. It's crazy to think that when the uh, Union game was over, they went right to first take. You know, I right. mean, to be to be the lead in for a show like First Take is crazy when you think about it. But, uh, you know, again, it's like that exclusivity of them having eyeballs on it while, you know, the quote unquote four for four uh, sports are not back right. yet. And it was just a it was a huge thing. You know, so you see like WI 94 WIP, including being bullied into including like the Philadelphia Union in their poll, you know, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Bedoya was on Miss Nelly's show the other day and. uh you know, Curtin's been on a bunch of shows and stuff like that. I mean, that's 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 why that's the small stuff that I've been talking about for years on this podcast. It's like, we, you know, you're looking to just kind of enter the conversation, you know, to be like right. considered that stuff. And this is an opportunity for them to do it because nobody else is playing. Right. So. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's part of the, the big allure to like MLS. Like, you know, obviously it's important to play, player safety and all that stuff is important given the current circumstances of the world. However, I mean, the opportunity that this league has, you know, uh, to really almost like plant its flag and be like, listen, like I know there's a lot of people in the world like that are friends of mine that are not soccer fans. Like obviously you're going to deal with the, the, the crew that's like soccer's stupid. Like I watch the Eagles and soccer's a bunch of, you know, flopping around whatever and yeah, yeah. don't want to, like it's, it's whatever. So, you know, now you have the opportunity. I have also friends of mine that like, are not necessarily soccer fans, but they're like, we're all working from home for the most part. Everybody's like, all right, well, let's put the game on in the background. And, like, you have an opportunity to kind of gain a foothold, not only, you know, in the Philadelphia region with the union and, and their whole thing that's going on, um, but, like, you know, nationally with this being, like, this big thing that's going on in the world of sports right now. You know, and, like, the only real, outside of the women's league, um, playing, you know, live games. So it's kind of an opportunity that they have to kind of really stamp their foot in the ground. And I think it's a perfect time because it's, you know, you're two cycles away from hosting another World Cup and all this other stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's there to be had. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit with this league in, in this country. Like, we've only kind of seen the tip of the iceberg. So I'm excited to talk about the actual game itself because we haven't done this in, like, seven episodes. Um, Absolutely. So let's just kind of take it from the top and uh, – I mean, I wrote down a bunch of notes here, and I'll just kind of go from top to bottom, and we can talk about each of them one by one, I guess. It's I no real order here. Maybe sort of chronological, maybe, as the game goes. But, uh, you know, just from the starting lineup, I think, obviously, uh, you know, we heard about Sergio Santos and Andrew Vooten and uh, Michi Galina having their, uh, you know, respective knocks the other day. Jim talked about that in his uh, press conference. And uh, so uh, they decided to stick with the four four two, but they basically just put Il Sino up top and let him play as a striker, which... Uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting because they, they, you know, typically when Elsino comes in, that's complemented with a switch to the four-two-three-one, and they play him as a winger, right? And they play him on the right, and they let him run at uh, defenders in space. And you know, he wasn't. Um, he's. It's not really. It's not really what he can do. And he's playing in four-four-two, you know, because his shape is narrow, and there's not a. You know, he's naturally not drifting left and right. I thought he would do more of that, and he didn't really. He seemed kind of static. He seemed a little stacked on top of Shabilko, but. Uh, no other surprises, really. I mean, you know, Kai Wagner was back in the lineup. Um, Jack Elliott got the start. I think basically what that confirmed was that the reason that Glessness and McKenzie started the first two games back in March is because Elliott got to camp late and he just wasn't healthy. 
you know, I mean, this would tell me that the first choice center backs was, was Elliott and McKenzie, but um, outside of the Elsinio thing, I mean, did, did anything about the lineup uh, uh, surprise you? No, I mean, and, and I think to kind of, I think the beautiful thing about the, what they have going on in the back, in the back with the center, the center backs, I mean, they have three of them that are all, you know, you tell me any of the three of them are playing, I'm like, all right, rock and roll. Like, it hasn't always been the case here. It's been like the rotating cast of, you know, forwards that we're going to push back to center back and things like that over the past, the midfielders that we're going to play at center back for the past, you know, decade of union, union soccer. Um, but, you know, like, I, I think you're going to see all three of them throughout the season. And, and I think, wasn't Glessness in Norway or something? And that was part of the reason that he wasn't, like, ready to go. Uh, 90 minutes. I think I heard Jim talking yeah. about that as well. He yeah, he was out. Yeah, I think he went there. back out of the country. So even, even if you, if we were going to say what was was true about Elliot, you know, missing the early part of the preseason in March, yeah, well, I don't know if Glessness was with him the whole time this time. Correct, correct, correct. So I mean, we'll see how that goes moving forward. But I think you have the rotating cast, and I think I think you saw basically what our best eleven is minus I think Sergio Santos and El Sino. El Sino is like one of those. It's it's like. He's like a white mystery airhead, you know, with a candy. Like, you, you kind of plug him in, and, like, <laughs> he's good for, like, 30 minutes. But, like, as soon as I saw his name on the sheet, don't get me wrong, he has the ability to flip a game on his side at any given instant and produce that, like, magic that no one else on the field can produce. But you mean to tell me, he, you're going to tell me in this 90-whatever, it was 85 degrees, it's 90% humidity, it was a real feel of 99 degrees. Like, he's got maybe 40 minutes in him top. Like, yeah, and- he's got too many miles on his field. Yeah, and and it's, well, it's yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because like it's not it's not just playing in the four four two. Like if they were playing four two three one and he was in the starting lineup, we would have been saying the same thing. You know, like how right. how much like is he even a starter at this point in his career? No, he's probably not. So yeah, I mean, no, it, was, I, it was it was even less less guy. about the less about the yeah less less about the shape I think, and more more just about him playing in ninety million degrees and you know being being a little older, right? I mean, I think I think that goes for the whole team. But yes, it goes with him being a little bit older. I mean, what is he? I mean, Twelman said today, what is he forty something? He said that on the broadcast. I was like, <laughs> okay, like I don't think so. But um, exaggeration. So, <laughs> Taylor exaggerate never. Um, anyway, the uh, like just any of the guys, especially like nobody's played a competitive game in four months. This is the longest layoff any of these guys probably had in their career. Yeah, it's longer than any off season. It's longer than anything like that. And and you got to jump into a three-game, you know, pool play where, like, if you lose your first game, you're automatically behind the eight ball, and it's tough to advance. You've seen <laughs> that in the World Cup. If you lose your first game, you're uh, in a tough spot. Yeah. Um, and it's a million – it's like playing on the surface of the sun. And, you know, you haven't played in that long. And guys are – you know, it's, it's, there's some rust. There's some a little bit of everything. But, like, I think, you know, it's kind of a – we're going to see – just kind of a hodgepodge of it. And, like, I think the Union, fortunately, for the first time in a long time, really has the depth to kind of contend in an event. To like be that. able to handle it. Yeah, dude, I mean, if you if you, if you packaged it and explained it another way, and I told you, you know, if I told you before, let's pretend it's like two days ago and you and I are talking on the phone, and I said to you, they're going to be missing three forwards, and uh, they're going to come out and win one nothing. I mean, like, yeah, you know, anybody, anybody would take that, you know, and it's like, I, I don't, I don't, um, I honestly don't think that the quality of, uh, like, I gotta be honest. I think the quality was not as bad as I thought it was going to be that, for this, for oh. that, this game. And for the, even for the Orlando and the Miami game last night, I think it's kind of mirrored what we saw with the premier league and Serie A and Bundesliga where the first halves of these games are kind of like whatever people are trying to find their feet and there's not, 
you know, these, these first half unders are total money, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then, and then they start to pick, they start to pick it up and, you know, find themselves in the second half and then they start scoring goals and stuff like that. I was glad we got the three goals that we did in the game. And I keep saying last night, but the the first game, the Miami and Orlando right. game. And, um, yeah, I just I was just like praying to God that the union somebody in this game would score. The, the just as long as it wasn't a nil nil, and then all the haters would come back and say, "Well, I told you, it's yeah, a I told you, it's boring. yeah, yada yada." <laughs> you know, but I think um, here's what I would say, and then I'll toss it to you. The, I, I think like it, it's not, it's not just you know them trying to find their feet and trying to get used to playing again for the first time in 123 days. Like even in the, even in the first two games, Dallas and L.A., you know, they were trying to to learn what they are without Madunian in. And, you know, yeah. because all the buildup went through him the last three years or whatever. And I think in this game today, you saw Martinez try to get on the ball a bunch, but then Jamiro was coming back and he wanted to get on. It seemed like he wanted to be the guy. Sometimes he was not there. Other times it's like he wanted to have the ball every every time. But um, to me, I think that's their biggest thing going forward in this tournament. I mean, defensively, I thought they looked pretty good. And Andre Blake played, played, a, played a great game. But I think they're just trying to find out what they are in the in – a, post Harris Madunian world. And I think that's almost like an addition by subtraction kind of piece. Like I love Harris. I love he's got a world class left foot. Um he sees passes that nobody else on the field sees and he he just hits these set pieces and everything just so brilliantly. Thing is, is you're gonna have somebody play at the six that can't tackle a paper bag. Like I'm sorry. I, if you're gonna drop that far back and you're gonna get the ball right there and in front of and like almost in between your two center backs like, God forbid the ball gets turned over there. I don't trust him to make a tackle, you know? And, like, yeah. Martinez, like, while he doesn't have the left foot that, that Medunian had and not, or the vision or anything like that, what I do think he is is he's an absolute hammer in the middle of the park. And you saw that today, almost to the point where, like, I was like, all right. He took, I mean, he definitely took a stupid yellow card today. And, like, I knew that was kind of his story coming in. Like, what did he have, like, some – obscene number of like 27 yellow cards <laughs> however long yeah yeah like in a season like something ridiculous like the guy's definitely like if i would have said an over under of red cards for that man for a full mlf season i'm setting that line at two and a half like no <laughs> questions asked and i'm probably leaning yeah. towards the over a lot because he is he's that that tough but like i think if you can kind of harness that a little bit i think that's just something that keeps especially somebody that played at like the nine and the ten throughout my career, like if you got a six that's coming in there and just clattering you over and over again, like you're thinking <laughs> twice about what you're doing at the top of the box before you do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, like it really is. It's um, it's interesting to me because uh, you know, one of the things that they did during the Madunian years is that they always kind of tilted to the right, like they were very heavily right right sided and just skewed that way. And uh, you, you you saw again a little bit of that uh, in today's game where. You know, in the build-up, it sort of seems like what they're doing is Martinez will get on the ball, and then Jamiro, who's playing on the left side of the diamond, he'll come back and he'll sort of play as the eight. You know, in in the build-up when they have possession, uh-huh. Bedoya pushes way, way, way up, uh, like mostly uh-huh. like on the right side. You know, so they're kind of like if you take your hands and you put them in a diamond and you like rotate to the left, it's basically like a you know it's a shift where they're basically you know it's it it all looks almost kind of like a four-two-three-one in in the build-up. But Bedoya's playing so high up the field, and that's that's similar to what they were doing in years past. You know, because Ray Ray is not, you know, Ray wasn't getting forward a lot in this game, and he never has over his career. Whereas Kai can do that on his own up the left side. So, 
Did you see what I was? No, I think, did you see what I was seeing today? Where like Bedoya was just way the hell up there, and they were like kind of like turning to the to the left side again. Yep. Well, I mean, I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with Ray. Like, I, I love Ray. Don't get me wrong. Um, I do, and he's like one of those guys that just works his bags off. And like you see him playing in the back, and like you almost have to beat him twice to beat him because he's so fast. Like, no question in in my mind that he's one of the fastest guys on the field, if not you know maybe in the league the way he runs. However, um, like you said, going forward, like very, very, it's, it's, it's limiting what you're doing, and and you know, no disrespect, but like I love the guy to death, but like going forward, he, he can be like a little bit of a liability in the final third, and like I think where you switch this into this four four two, you can almost you don't need to have him bomb forward like they were doing with when you play one up top, your wing backs, they're they're flying forward like all the time, and like it's it's kind of shift that a little bit, but then you can play also have the ability to play through the left because Wagner is an absolute danger with it, like pacing down that left flank and whipping balls in. Like I just, yeah. it's a problem. It really is. And like the fact that we have the people like that, those four guys in the midfield, like they're all, they're very versatile. Like obviously Yamira is the, the metronome. You get him the ball as much as you can. He is like hands down your best player. Like it's not, it's not a question. He is, and it's just, you know, it's what it is. Best player with the ball. How about we say that? Um, yeah. You know, Ali is like he's, you know, he's quintessential Philadelphian like folklore superstar. Like, not, you know, he's very talented. Don't get me wrong, but like his best attributes are how he galvanizes players together and like behind something, and then he's not afraid to get stuck in on a tackle, and he'll literally, like you saw in the playoffs last year, run till his hamstring falls off his leg. For you and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like that guy. And then you got Brendan, who and I was talking to somebody about this today. Like Aronson, by the time he's done his career, he may be the most talented player that the union has ever had. Well, he's starting early enough. Yeah, I mean, he's starting early enough, and uh, he was nice active. He was and he like, was active in this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah his 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 runs. Well, you know, it's funny because. Uh, uh, two quick points here. Actually, let me before I make the Aronson point, let me let me finish up a Bedoya point. I think that he's going to be able to do more of what he did today, like with with the goal, where he's way up there on the right and he's able to join the attack because you know he does he doesn't have as much responsibility now to to stand in front of the back line and put out fires. You know, with Martinez, right? Back, he has to cover for Harris. Yeah, he doesn't have to cover for Harris. I mean, you got Martinez in there now with the five subs. You're able to bring Craval in pretty much every game. You know, to be a to be a closer. So you know, as long as Jamiro, uh, you know, sort of, as long as Jamiro is not up there at the same time, Bedoya, I think it's going to have more of a license to get forward. So I think what you right. saw today is probably going to be more of the norm going forward. So the second point then to to, to Aronson, you know, he he deserves a lot of credit for that goal because um, first off, I was actually yelling at the TV because I thought he should have taken that first. Uh, square ball first time it was like right outside of the box you know what I'm talking about like 20 like 20 yep. yards he was standing like 20 yards out he didn't but he kept possession and he kind of like you know shimmied over to his left and played the ball back across and then he and then he had the one timer on the on the square pass from Bedoya that came around um, mm-hmm. like, but that's you know that that activity that activity and him him keeping the ball alive up there I, I, I want him to like still think a little bit faster but he showed it like two seconds later he did the thing that I was asking him to do right there you know I so mean, like the handful of goals that he scored throughout his career have all been that kind of like he's the let he's the second guy coming through the ball comes back in the box and like smash it home first time like I've seen him do that a couple times I mean 
you know, but then also he's shown the ability to take people on. Um, and he's shifty, man. Like, he gets the ball and, like, these little, like, just subtle body movements that get the defender the wrong way. And, like, I think that'll come with time of playing. Like, you know, he's been off for four months. Like, you saw it. I've seen it a couple. Like, in the Atlanta game when he scored against Guzan and the, the, the funny, you know, internet thing where Guzan's, like, falling over backwards. You know, it wasn't so much the shot because obviously that took a deflection. But the way he took that ball with his back to goal and beat two guys was just subtle. Like, wasn't flashy, but little subtle things. Um, I think that's something that's going to be just huge for the kid moving forward. And like you said, he's 19. Like, I know. Jesus, I would be <laughs> 19 yeah. years old. It's, like, that's just absurd. I was just getting done high school and going to college. Like, and this kid's like, he's next level, man. Next that, level. That's what we, that's what we joked about with with Pfeffer because like you know when he was 16 years old like I think you're whenever somebody does something where they're really young um our for our gut instinct is to think about what we were doing at that age you know oh, you don't even uh, want to know what I was doing yeah and I was I was like I was 16 years old so what I was like a sophomore in high school I was probably listening to like Cradle of Filth and you know like uh you know uh doing whatever the hell playing video games or something playing Di- Diablo 2 or something you know so right I mean um, listen I had a 1992 Subaru Legacy Station Wagon when I was 19 with DMX blaring out the back of those a bubblegum gangster at the time. It was pretty funny. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in Boyertown thought they were gangster too. You know, you put your you'd uh, uh, buy your Honda Civic and then you'd put like uh, the two upgrades that you could afford on it, like uh, uh, the windows and get a spoiler. And you're a badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you're ready to go flying up and down Route 100. You know. Oh man, uh, that's Jesus so Christ. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So listen, the go- the goal. Um. I mean, whatever, Sean Johnson probably should have done better with it, but, you know, mm-hmm. Ollie gets the ball, finds it on his left foot, and he just takes a lash at it, and it's low, and it's a pain in the ass, and the keeper's got to get down, and he gets an arm on it, but it, it's he's not able to keep it out. So, I mean, I don't, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's like a go down as the best goal in Philadelphia Union history, but, uh, you know, props to Ollie for having the wherewithal to just give it a give it a crack. Listen, they all count the same, man. I don't care. Like, and you were talking about earlier, like, okay, was it the prettiest win of all time? Like, first of all, it's a cup event. And, like, I feel like the Union are, like, they're just, they're ready to play in these, like, kind of, like, one-off events. Like, I was really excited to see them play in the uh, the Leagues Cup this summer yeah. with, like, the Mexican teams. Because, like, it seems like when they get into these, like, one-and-done, knockout-style, like, whatever, they always do well. Now, granted, I'll attribute some of that to playing some lower-division teams in the Open Cup and, you know, whatever the case may be, and they've never gotten over the hump at the end. We all know that story. But, like, I just feel like they they may not be the most talented across the board on a, on a 36-game season to win. Because usually over time, like 36 games, the team with the most talent is going to win is going to win the trophy. Like, that's really all it boils down to. But, like, you get them in these one-offs, like, okay, you got a shot. And, like, I think this year, even more so than ever, um, you know, it's kind of like this whole, like, nothing's normal. And, like, I really think that, like, you got a real big opportunity here because you got L.A. with no Vela. you got Atlanta with no Jose Martinez. you got all these things kind of going on. you got teams going home because of COVID. you got the, the group that they draw, I drew. Like, I mean, geez, like, I guess New York's a tough aside, but they haven't scored a goddamn goal all season. Yeah. 0-3. Like, okay. And then you get Orlando, who has won 12 out of their last 62 games. Like, could you imagine if that happened in Philadelphia? Oh God! Be riots. Like people would be so angry. I mean, maybe it did happen. They did make a coffin to carry like the GM's <laughs> name to, to the front gate. So yeah. I guess I get where they're coming from. But that's just brutal. And then you play, you know, Miami, like who nobody really knows who they were, and they lost to a team that's won twelve games out of their last sixty-two last night. So 
I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better draw. I and mean, without you know, and, and the opportunity to kind of because if they win their next point, their next their next game against who they play next, they play Miami next. They win their next game, yeah. they're through. They don't. I mean, do you play your your full team? Well, maybe you get to see. Game? Yeah, maybe if they win that game, we get to see. You know, maybe Glesnus starts the third game, or maybe we see like Mate right. Mate Orovets or uh, you know mm-hmm. Mich- Michigalina or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's ideal. You know, like why the hell not? It's like those World Cup games where uh, the the guy only plays one. What war, those World Cups where the guy only plays one game, and it's after his the starters qualified for him you know, with six right. six points. But it's interesting. I never and I didn't really think about this a lot until the tournament started, but. Uh, you know, because it's a cup competition and because each game does mean something, uh, you know, you're probably going to see guy, teams go for it more so in the first two games than they would in, say, the NBA return where, like, the Brooklyn Nets don't give a flying fuck and a half about, right. what, about what's happening. Now, those games are going to be terrible, you know? I mean, like, right. you know, there's going to be some seeding, you know, jockeying, like, if you don't want to play the Bucks in round two or something like that, you know, maybe the Sixers go up or down, but... Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some terrible, some terrible. Those some of those first eight games are going to be terrible, but because MLS, because there's not as many games, and because the stakes are higher, you know, it does seem like it's increasing the quality of play. Um, I mean, and you saw, like you, you you touched on a little bit. The first half are kind of quiet, like they feel each other out. But then you get into the second half where it's like, all right, legs start to get tired. The the communication is between the back lines might not be there. It's a million degrees out. Mistakes are going to start happening. The games open up, and like you're going to see, like there hasn't been a goal scored in the first half of a game yet, and here we are in the 37th minute of, of Montreal New England. It's still zero zero. Like, yeah. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah. At least for the first couple weeks, uh, or for the first maybe week or two. Wait, yeah, first week or two of the tournament, you're going to be in that situation. I just think this lends itself, like you said, like you saw today. New York had to start chasing the game. And, like, yeah, they, they kind of dictated the play the last 15 minutes and Andre stood on his head. But how much of a relief was it to say, all right, I'm going to bring Warren in for Martinez? And I think they lost a little bit when they took Martinez in because that took Martinez out because that's kind of when everything kind of started pushing yeah. the other direction, um, like, for those last 15 minutes. But you're going to tell me I'm going to put those three center backs in together and play, like, five in the back with those three guys? I dare you to whip balls in. Like, I dare you yeah. because, like, those three guys are monsters. Like, Mark McKenzie looks like – an absolute mammoth human being right now. Like I didn't realize how like he's so good, man. Dude, uh, yeah. Like and you, you, I saw your piece on Twitter today where he just makes it look so simple. Like it doesn't have to be this flashy stuff. Like <laughs> that's it was funny because I, I was when I was filming that and then I watched it back. I'm like, I wonder if people are gonna get this or if it's gonna resonate with them because it's hard to it, it's hard to um, it's a it's a skill of. Um, how do, God, how do I say this? It's like um, there, there's a certain skill that all athletes have where they make difficult things look very easy. You know, wow. and if you haven't, if you don't have a frame around, I mean, if you're just looking at it on the video, you don't know. I mean, I'd have to show somebody trying to do the same thing and struggling for context, but anybody who's played the game knows that for him to just leave off the attacker who's offside, anticipate where the bad touch is going to come and which way the defender's going to turn and just chest it down to your... Uh, in, don't break stride and just chest it down to your D-mid. Like, no wonder Celtic allegedly is interested yeah. in him. <laughs> you know? And that would be a great, that would be a great move for him. That would be a great, that would be a great move for him because he could go, they're only, I mean, they're only freaking competition is Rangers, right? He could beat up on like Hearts and, and Hibernian and Aberdeen, you know, game in and game out. It's not a ton of competition, right. but he, he would get a taste of like playing for an elite club in, in a not so good league. 
you probably also would get a little bit of Champions League footy and stuff like that. Like that's that's you know that's on you can't like that's invaluable. Like somebody gets to play in that. Like it's just it's kind of wild and to think that like we're kind of at the precipice of like you know we put all this money into the academy and like we had the first kind of crew of them that came through and like don't get me wrong like I'm sure Jimmy Jimmy McLaughlin's still getting paid to play soccer you know he's still doing his thing like yeah. love Jimmy to death he's a character and and like you know he's kind of had a rough kind of situation with his knee and everything like that but like you, know, you saw him go through but like there hasn't been that one guy that like they sell to the next level. And, and Derek Jones, I thought, was going to be that guy. But, like, apparently, you know, he's got the, all the gifts and the talents athletically in the world. But, yeah. like, he doesn't really have the head for it, kind of, is what I'm kind of gathering from what I've heard. No, you're 100% correct. Yeah, maybe that's an entire podcast for another time. Um, and um, and the, now you got these guys like Aronson and McKenzie and even Real. Like, the guys getting consistent looks at the, at the youth national team level. Like, yeah, I mean... Uh, not for nothing, like I get raise your right back, but isn't Real is he a right back as well? Well, he's a left back, but oh, you know he could play. Yeah, I mean he can play right back, but uh, I thought I thought Real might come off the bench, but Jim uh, Jim only used four subs, so he right. brought in uh, he brought in Fontana, um, he brought in Craval, he brought in Glessness, and he brought in uh, Devries. Devries, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the interesting thing about the five subs is uh, you know normally you wouldn't be able to do. You know, you can't make two attacking switches and then do defensive lockdown midfielder and, and then throw a third center back on the field. I mean, right. you couldn't you, you do that. couldn't do that before. So you can still, so you can, you can hold on. You can make two attacking switches and two defensive switches and keep the fifth sub in your back pocket for an emergency or an it. injury. You right. know, exactly. So, yeah. And even then, like, because I was reading some people online were like kind of wondering why Jim didn't sub a little earlier why he didn't use all five of them but again they're missing three strikers on the bench yeah if if yeah. uh if Vooten was on the bench he would have been in you know well, if and, was on the bench he was started probably i would have said oh yeah or yeah and he, and he would have brought el senior in so yeah i mean that was just a product of circumstance but i, I don't uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't really see too much that was i thought was was weird with the subs did you no i mean i think that they all make sense and i actually really like the glassness sub at the end i was like oh wow like i get I get that they kind of brought in Craval to protect Martinez from himself almost in a way. Um, yeah. He was getting kind of to that point where, like, he kind of had a couple tackles that, like, the ref was like, listen, dude, one more of these and you're getting another yellow. Like, yeah. and you can't have that happen. Like, I know. I've been on the, the, I've been on the receiving like, end of that. With 10 men in the heat, like, dude, forget it. You're giving up a goal. Like, it's happening. <laughs> um, but, like, to bring Glessness in and, like, to be like, all right, like, now we're playing this five in the back and, like, we're just going to defend and like to be feel confident about that. Like it's the first time. Like how many times have we seen the Union in the past give up a? They play phenomenally for 83 minutes and they give up a goal <laughs> with seven minutes left and they draw. Yeah. Or, oh my you know, god. Like, dude, you get countless times. Like it's it's what it is. But you know, like I really feel like there's something going on. And it's it's you know you have the continuity of like the majority of the rosters back. You only have a couple, one or two different pieces that have come in, and you have Jim who's been involved now. He's been coaching for six years. Yeah, yeah, 2014, yeah. Like, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, yeah, and I've is. always been a Jim, Jim fan. Like, I know people were on his case. But, like, dude, you're going, to a, you're going to a gunfight with a knife. You know, and now at this point, like, you're starting to really have the tools to kind of to compete. And I think that's shown over the past years, little bit, little bit, little bit. I mean, they've improved on their point total the past four years. Like, he's the only coach in the league, and the only, they're the only club in the league that's done it four years in a row. A lot of people kind of a big deal. A lot of people said Andre Blake for man of the match. I would I would have got Mark McKenzie like one 
A and Andre Blake one one B or or Andre one A Mark one B. I don't know, like a fucking tie. I don't know. They they were both really Andre good. Andre kind of he saved the bacon though twice. Like, yeah, yeah. And listen, the one stage where he goes all the way to the left, and like that's why you have a guy like that there. Like he's straight. I was talking to my brother. He's a shot stopper. Like that's what he is. Like if he could play with his feet, he would be long gone. Yeah, he, he would have, have been. Yeah. To play in Europe, like, he just doesn't. Like he's a shot stopper, and he can make those worldy saves. Like that save that he made at full stretch where he was going to his right, and the ball came back to his left, they showed the replay like five times. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Outstretch like, man fingertips. Touch that pass the post. It's huge. And then the huge breakaway save at the end of the game. Like, yeah. you know, can Joe Bendick do that? I don't think so, or I don't know. Well, and know? look, look, here's the thing. They're, they're going to need, I mean, they're going to need that from Andre this year because they're not going to, this is not a union team that's going to be able to like strangle other teams with possession. You know, I mean, he's going to he's going to face more shots this year than he did last year, just by virtue of of the way that they play. And it, and I don't, we didn't even really talk about this at all, but um, you know, they can't re- they can't really press with Ilcino as a striker at nine, at nine in the morning when it's you know ten million degrees out. So right. if you think about it, they won the game, not really being able to do what they wanted to do. So, you know, that just puts more of a, um, you know, a gold star on Andre's performance. You know, the fact that I think going into it, they knew that they were probably going to give up some possession and not have a lot in terms of chance creation. Their starting striker was COVID-19 positive three months ago. So, Correct. I mean, I think when you when you start to compile all these different things together and uh, when they were, up to like, they were up to like a plus 220 underdog at kickoff, I mean, you'll take a one nothing win, of course. Jacket, dude. I mean, like, I literally, and I, it's funny. Um, there's a lot of commotion talking about, like, the. Uh oh, I just told you about the no goals. Oh no, it almost they almost scored. New England did almost. <laughs> All right. Almost. Uh, the uh, you know talking about like there's a lot of commotion in the in not only in like I've seen a bunch of MLS like experts pick the. I've seen multiple people pick the Union to win this event. They're yeah. like they have an identity. They have a coaching continuity. Like. Jim's the only coach that's coached that coached last year in this entire group that the union's in. It's crazy, isn't it? It's nuts. Um, they have an identity. They're moving forward. They have a lot of people. They're healthy. Like, they're one of the, like, you know, I get all these folks. Nobody has the COVID, but, like, outside of, really outside of, you know, Dallas and, and Nashville at this point. But, like, and hopefully God, God willing it stays that way so we can watch this whole thing to fruition. Like, I, I would be devastated to have it end, like, for some nonsense like that. Well, not nonsense, but for a, an unforeseen circumstance. Um, you know, and, like, they're picking them to win. And then you, you talk about, like, <laughs> the, being a big dog today. Like, um, it's funny. Like, I, I kind of watched that stuff. And, and as of when the draw first came out, the union was a plus 2,900, plus 2,900 to win this event. Right, and that's pretty long shot odds. I think they were like tenth in the order, um, and all of a sudden last week, out of nowhere, they dropped from plus twenty nine hundred to plus fourteen hundred, which is like a massive shift in in you know uh, in, in odds for a futures bet, um, mm-hmm. especially without a game being played. Now I don't know if that was part of the they changed the number of teams that were going to qualify at a Group A. If that had a little piece to do it, but. I've seen on that side of things, like I'm, I'm, I follow the the, the the Vegas side of things very closely, and I feel like the Vegas always knows what's up. I don't, I mean, the casinos weren't built to lose money. They are all, it, it yeah. just sickens me that like you 
time. It's wild. I know. It's crazy. Um, it's wild. So, like, I feel like it, it almost makes you think it's sick, but obviously it's not. But, like, just the pure, simple fact of that. So, like, you got experts saying it, and then you got these folks in Vegas saying, like, hey, maybe some people, like, I can't imagine that, like, some heavy hitter put $1,000 on the union to shift those numbers or however much you have to move. But, like, to shift those numbers that much is, like, that's a big deal. So, like, I feel like there's some, there's something kind of moving in the right direction, and, and we'll see how it goes. So let's uh, actually we'll make this the last topic, and this was something that we talked that we wanted to discuss beforehand um, about legal sports betting because it's it's interesting. I haven't we haven't had this conversation on the podcast yet, and uh, you know when the podcast started, it, you know sports betting was not legal. So um, you know I started dabbling just a little bit to see honest honest to God, I'll be completely honest here to see if I could turn my union expertise into money, and that started. With, that started with daily daily fantasy back in the DraftKings FanDuel era, which was which was legal, you know. And so I tried doing some of that a little bit. And then there would always MLS sucked because there's always some like random dude who would score like two goals, and it was just like too unpredictable, you know. I can never find any like right. consistent foothold with that, you know. Um, but then like you know it, it's there's you know DraftKings is running great stuff, FanDuel's running great stuff, uh, Foxbet is running great stuff. You and you and I are nowhere close to uh, you know calling one eight hundred gambler, right? I mean I think that was like that was like my my like original thing was like oh I don't want to get sucked into this or whatever. But uh, it's it's nice because we've you and I both have a lot of family stuff and other things to occupy. It's like we're just sitting there staring at you know fucking Foxbet all all day long, right? But no, um, correct. It's interesting because um, there, there's so many different ways to to gamble and now you have live betting and stuff like that. Um, just real briefly, I'll tell like where I've had a lot of my success is turning a game on, watching a game for 15 minutes, getting a feel for how the teams look and trying to read it, you know, just as somebody who's watched the game and played the game my entire life. And then just doing live gambling and say, I think a goal is coming or I think a goal is not coming. Here's my over for the second half. Here's my under. I think this guy might score. And, um, I've been having a lot of fun with it, you know, because I've always said on this podcast, like, I'm a person who can watch soccer, and I don't need skin in the game. I don't need to, like, act like I'm a Tottenham fan, you know, and I didn't grow up, grow up in London. You know, I can watch the two teams play and enjoy it. But I, and on top of that, now I have skin in the game, and that makes me extra interested, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's added a whole new dimension to watching sports. Um, you know, like, am I going to sit here and tell you I'm, like, the know-it-all guru of whatever? No, I'm not. But... I mean, like you said, specifically with the sport of soccer, um, you know, I had the, you played the game for long enough, like you can read things that are going on and you can kind of feel the momentum shifting and, you know, like you almost want to think like, okay, like I know better than those people that are, that are putting this all together. But, um, and sometimes you do it, sometimes you don't. Um, but it's really something that, that's really, like you said, it's added some fun to it. Like, you know, last night you're watching Miami and Orlando, and like, a game, now granted, it's the first game MLS is back. Like, I'm watching it no matter what. But like at this point, like now I'm like I'm watching it, and I'm like I'm engaged, and I'm like seeing what's going on. And you know, like you had one go one way, and the other went the other way. I thought Miami was going to win the game. They didn't, unfortunately. Um, but you know, you're over two and a half goals. Bing, bang, boom. Like I feel like that's going to be something that you're going to see a lot. Like you mentioned the first half unders. There's going to be a lot of zeros on the board. There has yeah. there's still another half just ended. No goal, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's something to, to keep an eye on. But it, it, it's the accessibility of it, and like the almost like the it's almost like you know the whole tattoo culture. Like tattoos were like kind of taboo for a long, long time. So if you have <laughs> tattoos, like you're this dude, like whatever. Like here I am. I got a couple <laughs> tattoos, and like my grandmother was like, "Oh, dude, I like your tattoo." My grandmother was 91. You know what I mean? Like that's not something that like 
he talks about it just to show you like the acceptability of it and like now yeah. with sports gambling being legal like there's so many people and like you put a couple bucks like it doesn't matter you're not trying to get rich and break the bank you know playing this it just gives a little bit two bucks five bucks ten bucks whatever you know makes it a little bit more enjoyable and like yeah you're gonna lose and you're gonna be like this sucks and you know whatever but like you know it really does it, it become mainstream like you said like it's a, it's readily available you can mm-hmm. put it on your phone um, that's probably bad for a lot of people. Um, you know, I work in addiction counseling for my, for my career, so, like, <laughs> I'm sure people are getting sucked into it. However, yeah. I think, like, it's just something that, you know, it, it's, can you, do you think you know enough about the sport to kind of, to move forward? You know, and it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, and specifically soccer, but soccer's one of those tough sports because you got that dreaded draw that comes into play. That can, yeah. you know, nobody wins, nobody loses, and you're beat. Well, that's what sucks you in because you see plus odds for the underdog and plus odds for the favorite, and you're like, oh, this is some juicy shit. Then you get like a nil-nil, you know, and you're you're like, like, what the hell? No wonder it's plus. Why was the draw minus 220? Like, I understand. But here's the thing. Um, Here's here's the other thing, too. Like, and the funny thing, because, like, at the height height of the pandemic, like, third week of March, right, when everything was dead, right, before UFC came back, before the Bundesliga came back, um, we got motherfuckers out here betting on like Belarus soccer, you know, and like I saw people betting on people playing video games. Okay, well here's the thing: Did you know anything about the Belarusian soccer league before it was on DraftKings? Nothing. Right. No. So that this is actually another like this is this is the practical part of it here because if anybody's tuning it out and saying like, oh, I'm not into gambling, like we're sitting here on Thursday night, Montreal, New England are at halftime right now. There could be some four for four jabroni who's like just looking for something to watch, and maybe they're a gambler, and maybe they say, "Hey, I'm gonna put five bucks on uh, Boyan Kirkich to score." I don't know who this dude is, and I've never watched him play before. Maybe he turns on the Montreal New England game, and maybe he says, "Hey, this isn't that bad," right? You know, and I mean, yeah, like, like that's another thing that that can that can help us get get this league to where we want it to be. Absolutely, and it was wild. This is the first time, like, I think it's the league just, like, they signed a deal with, like, MGM, I think, MGM Grand or somebody like that, and, like, I turned on MLS, the website this week, and I see money lines next to the, the next to the, like, the yeah. matchups, and I was just yeah. like, oh. So, like, it's, I mean, it's really become to that point where it's, like, it's not, like, you're not betting with, like, some sneaky bookie in the back of a bar that's, you know, got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and he's going to come <laughs> kick your ass if you lose a bet. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not how it works. It's, it's true. It's not, it's, that's a, such a good point, man. I never thought of it like that. You know, like, I remember, like, trying to wear pants after I got the tattoo on my leg because I didn't want my parents to see it. And then, right. like, t- 10 years later, my mom got her first tattoo. And I'm sitting here thinking, right. like, wow, how, we, how far we've come. <laughs> you know, it's like, but, mm-hmm. but yes, there's something shady about like saying yo i know a guy in new jersey give, give me 50 bucks and i'll you know bet on floyd mayweather for you right right, right. versus like hey it's open it's legal i hate to say this but it's kind of like the argument with like oh maybe now we're going down a rabbit hole here but maybe you know it's like well you know weed is not taboo anymore you know you can buy it at a store like you know yeah. you can buy I me mean, you can get a card for it and go to the dispensary it's like what yeah. it is you know yeah. Yeah, no, it's like while you're walking into a store versus like some dude in um, in Boyertown slipping you a, a thing when nobody's Bag looking. Bag of oregano. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's funny, but like, and then the cool thing about like some of these books online, like it's like you know you bet with like a bookie sneaky guy in the back. It's how people get in trouble because like you don't have to put the money up in front like this way. Yeah, Fanduel and all these other places, you got to make the deposit. So you, you know the way you got to look at it is it's like I'm paying for my entertainment, right? Like I'll put you know fifty bucks into an account and be like, okay. 
you know, is this something that, you know, is going to be, it, it, you're, you're, you're investing 50 bucks into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just the way it is. And, like, you're not going to be able to run up a $5,000 tab trying to chase a loss, you know, and then all of a sudden you got Jimmy from Northeast Philly coming <laughs> to break your leg because you're over five grand. Yeah, they're not sending they're not sending Rocky Rocky Balboa down to the docks to uh, to to hold you upside down and and, yeah. (laughs) Wow, you talk to people like, oh, did you see this game? And you hear everybody talking about Fanduel, 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 DraftKings, 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 Bovada, this, that, the third, like everything. It's wild. It really, really is. It is, man. Um, It's come such a long way. I've seen some people like that are really good at it. Um, Like a buddy of mine is is an absolute monster. Um, He's like. He's like turning it into a career almost. Like, you know, he's got a he's got a uh, internet, you know, Instagram service that he offers like guidance to people. And like, I just kind of watch along with what he's doing, and and he's hitting home runs. Shameless plug. He is the book boss on uh, Instagram. If you ever want to take a look at him, oh no, all sorts of stuff, basketball, soccer, you know, everything you can possibly imagine. He handicapped the Nathan's hot dog contest the other day. It's funny. Um, but he's, you know, just, it's, it's cool. Like, but like, it's again, it's another thing that people can talk about the commonality of like, yeah. you know, you and me, like, we're not, I'm not, a, I'm not a serious gambler. Like, it's like, okay, I like to go to the casino two, three times a year and play craps. Like I do, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, if I'm going to put a couple bucks on a game here and there, sure. Great. Terrific. You know, like, it's just one of those things. But like you said, everybody's talking about it and it's become socially acceptable and it, and it, it's allowed people to, to learn more about sports that maybe they didn't know anything about. Um, and you know to kind of get engaged in it, like because, like you said, MLS is the only, like, really the only game on, like, in, yeah. in the in the US yeah. right now. Um, and you know, John, the guys on Barstool Bet were talking about it last night. Yeah, they don't talk about soccer. No, it's an entry. Like, it's an entry point. It's an it's another entryway into uh, you know, you know, into MLS for non MLS fans. Huh. I mean, you know, and if you yep. even if you're traditionally you have not been a gambler or whatever, you know, we're all trying to grow the union and grow the the league so you know that's that's something else that's now possible that was not so all right it's uh yeah so it's, it's just a, like you said another entry point for people and like at the end of the day man like all i care about is this game growing continuing to grow in the united states i've said since the united states didn't qualify for the last world cup i said okay you know and i love taylor twelman's rant like i'm not a big tt fan like you know <laughs> but um his rant was perfect. Like people, like soccer players, don't get held accountable in this country like other athletes. You know, yep. like they don't. They they didn't qualify for the World Cup, and like somebody had to freak out. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we should qualify for the World Cup without even trying. And obviously, we didn't try. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say that they tried, but like, eh, you know, it was kind of like there's no reason for that to happen. Um, but since then, I said, give them two cycles, and when the World Cup is here in 2026, I am hell-bent on them making the semifinals of the World Cup. Hell-bent. I think the talent is here. I think you got eight years to figure it out. I think people underestimate how valuable it is to have it in your home country. Like, look, 1994, the U.S. had no business playing there, and they almost beat Brazil, who won the World Cup in the first knockout game. Yeah. Think of that. Like, they had no business in that game. You know, and, like, I think it's just anything to grow the game because I feel like that is going to be our official coming out party for this sport in this country. When it's back here, you know, however many years after the beginning, after it was in 94, and we have, like, we got world-class guys. Like, Christian Pulisic is eating people alive in the front right now. Yeah, he looks like, good, he, man. He looks really good. You know what I mean? Like, it's like 
hands down already the best American player. No disrespect, love you, Landy, but like this kid's got it. Like he's that good. Did you see? Um, uh, did you see my Christian Pulisic breakdown on Twitter with the chopsticks? No, I did uh, not. I did a video and I had held the camera at the screen and I, I couldn't find a pointer. I couldn't find an object to point at the screen, but I found like some chopsticks downstairs in the kitchen, so I used those as a. I looked like Harry Harry Potter playing uh whatever the hell the sport is Quidditch Quidditch or something Quidditch. Those, yeah Quidditch, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, they deleted it Black they took really it to, play Quidditch, you I know? got That's like a thing apparently <laughs> my account got like I got an email saying that like I was not allowed to use Premier League footage so I guess really? my I guess my Pulisic video was so good that it somebody oh, noticed somebody noticed you're a legend, <laughs> you you're a legend. Um, you know but like it's like you said, it's, it's just something super exciting, and, and it's a cool time to have this. And, like, I can't tell you how excited I was to have this start last night. And like you said, to get up this morning, know that Philadelphia Union was playing a game. Like, it's cool to watch Liverpool. It's cool to watch Man U. It's cool to watch Spurs, whatever. But, like, it's not yours. They're 3,000 miles away from where I live, man. Like, Subaru Park, excuse me, is, you know, 22 minutes from my house. Like, it's mine. It's here. It's ours. Yeah. Like, I have a vested interest and emotion into it. The same I do with the Eagles and the Phillies and, and all that other stuff, you know? Um, and it really is, like, it's the game that I love, grew up with, and, you know, it's here, it's ours. And, like, to have MLS be, like, one of the first things back, the union gets up, they win their first game against their quote-unquote toughest opponent. You know, in a, in a cup-style event, like, let's go. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if they win every game 1-0. Like, let's, I don't care. Like, let's play ugly footy and let's just win games. That's all you got to do. Amen, brother. Love the sport. Love to see it on TV again. And uh, it's nice to talk about it again on the podcast. That's all I got, man. That's that We've gone through the list of topics unless uh, there's something that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to. No, man. I'm just, I'm just, I just can't wait to be back with my boys at, at the park, man. Like, it's just nothing. I mean, I know we're probably – hell, I, I – pretty much have given up on the fact that we'll be able to get physically to a game this season like okay like i get it um however like that's the reason i go there is to like all the nonsense of like i made a joke about people thinking they're more important than they really are like all the bullshit that goes on in soccer supporters land which um it can be kind of wild um all that aside i go there to forget about like the nonsense that's going on and like today for an hour and a half, I'm sitting in my living room watching soccer. I'm not thinking like, oh, am I going to, is my company going to survive if we shut down again in, in COVID-19, is, is, you know, in the country and this and that. Like, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about the political mumbo-jumbo from every which side of the planet, you know, coming in uh, over and over again. Like, I'm sitting down, I'm watching something I love, and, like, I'm happy about it. Like, you know, and, like, people. To be able to share that with a group of people that I truly care about, and like, you know, that's kind of like there's been like a little bit of a shift in like the supporters down at, at, at the River End and stuff like that. But like, um, you know, a couple group of us that we really all kind of very like minded, like with a lot of like, you know, and not so much. I'm not talking like like minded politically. I'm talking like like minded. Like we go to the game to be rowdy and have a good time. It's not about like telling somebody that they're wrong or this and that. It's like let's go down there. Let's sing our asses off. Let's have fun, and like let's let's support some soccer, and, and that's what the whole Keystone Ultra thing's about. Like it's it's kind of like a group of us that were involved around from the beginning of SOB, and like we're like, listen, like that became a job, and like no knock to what they're doing. We just want to do what we do and, and have fun, and 
has like the six thousand members there, however many there is, to like yeah. you know with people complaining about everything. All everything you do is somebody complains about somewhere. So we're just <laughs> like let's keep it organic, let's go have fun and do our thing. Well, it's, I mean, everybody's, yeah, and everybody's down there for the same reason, ultimately, you know, I mean, it's, it's to, to support the Philadelphia Union. So, I mean, that's why you, you know, that's why we're all, uh, it's what we're all involved in this for, you know, to support 100%. the, support, support the team and see it get better and see the sport grow. So I can't, I can't say it any better than that, man. Listen, yep. listen, brother, it was great having you on. I, I, sorry, it took me so long to do this, but, uh, you know, we will, uh, Better, better, uh, better late than never, as they say. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, I can bust your balls about West Virginia sports thinking again at some point in the near future. <laughs> well, if we if we have anything at all, I doubt I I would be really? like college stunned sports. stunned if we play college football. If if there's any college football game uh, at all, I would be happy with that. I know the thing now is that they're talking about doing just conference games only, and that makes me happy because Notre Dame doesn't have a conference, so that means they're shit out of luck. <laughs> So, uh, uh, good. silver, silver lining there, right? Love it. Love it. Love it. You either love Notre Dame or you hate Notre Dame. And I'm in the latter stages of that. I don't, I can't stand them. Corey Ferlin, Philadelphia Union original, Keystone State Ultras. It's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on finally. No problem, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast to talk. And like you said, it's cool to talk about some Union footy and not to mention them going out and getting three points. It's what's up. All right. You got it, man. Peace. All right. Be good. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so we're going to get to your questions and comments and concerns. But first, I want to touch on two things. Number one, uh, huge, huge thanks, everybody, who uh, bought Always Soccer jerseys. It looks like everybody got theirs in the mail. Uh, I didn't receive any um, uh, emails or messages with prob- with shipping problems or anything like that. And uh, we were able to get the money to Starfinder and uh, Kensington. We raised $1,000 total. So it was awesome. That was our first charity effort. Awesome job, everybody! Thanks for uh, thanks for participating, and uh, and we'll do uh, we'll come up with something again next year. Like I said, maybe we'll do like one of these a year. Um, number two, of course, I wanted to mention the um, the uh, the BLM uh, message that was sent during the game today by the union. They all had the um, the jerseys with they replaced their names on their jerseys with the names of. Um, men and women who were killed uh, by ple- uh, victims of police brutality, police violence um, in America, which we saw at the beginning of the game. They had the, the Black Lives Matter shirts, and then they, uh, Warren Cravel designed them, took those off, and then they had the names on the back, and they played in those the entire game. And um, I thought it was a cool gesture. I thought it was really creative and thoughtful in the way that, um, you know, it, it was like a lasting kind of thing, right? You saw it the entire game. 90 minutes, you see uh, Brianna Taylor's name on there, right? You see Philando Castile's name on there. And uh, that, I think, was the takeaway for me. Number one was they were able to do something that was like, uh, that had like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, uh, 
like a longevity. You know, it wasn't just like they came out for five minutes and, you know, held their arm up in the air and then everybody forgets about it, right? Like it was something that was present and it was there for the entire 90 minutes. Um, so I thought that was cool. Number two, I think the thing that st- stood out was that they all just seemed to be on the same page with it. You know, it wasn't just Mark McKenzie and Ray Gaddis and Warren Craval and the other, uh, you know, black guys on the team. You know, Kasper Shabilko is German-born Polish, and he was, you know, wearing a shirt. And Elsinio's from uh, Brazil, you know, and you got guys who are from the uh, United States, guys from all over the world who were, uh, you know, participated in the demonstration. And Jim Curtin said these guys were all kind of collectively in on it together, and they all agreed to do it, and they were all 100% on board, and... Um, I thought it was a really nice gesture. You know, I thought it spoke to kind of just collectively like what they are as a team and all kind of, uh, you know, going to bat for one another and agreeing to, to do this show that they, uh, they trust their teammates and they're looking out for the teammates best interests. And it wasn't just a group of, you know, Ray and Warren and Mark who were trying to do it on their own. It was cool to see everybody involved with it and, um, you know, to do what they did with the names on the back of the jerseys. I thought it was really cool. So kudos to uh, everybody for putting that together um okay let me find the uh tweet now that uh, has the uh questions on here okay all right um and some of these we of course we <clears throat> went over i think a lot of this stuff uh cory and i when we were talking about it but we'll see if uh there's anything uh different here uh barry evans my favorite scotsman uh, favorite scott um he says if it's not too late is it appropriate to drink alcohol <laughs> for the 9 a.m. games, a friend wants to know. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> well, it was a work day, you know? So I think, um, I don't know, did anybody go down to Larimer? They had a, they were doing $3 Mexican lagers. That Mexican lager is actually pretty good. Um, the union were having their, uh, had their watch party too. No, no, it's, 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 it's certainly appropriate to drink. Of course, if you have to work, then you're not, might not be able to function very well, but, uh, maybe if it was a Friday morning, maybe you pour yourself something, you know? Uh, Matt to George says, who wore his uh, jersey better, me or Dave Zeitlin's son? <laughs> I, th- I think you guys both uh, <clears throat> both looked very good in it, Dave's son and, uh, and uh, Matt to George as well. Um, <clears throat> Mike asked again about the McKenzie to, to Cel- Celtic um, rumor. Yeah, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's interesting. Celtic is always a um, – Celtic and Rangers um, – it's just an interesting league to go to Scotland because you have two teams. I think we all agree that, uh, you know, like if you, uh, you know, we didn't do an exercise on the podcast. We always like to do one. Here's a miniature one. You know, if you took all the Scottish teams and all the MLS teams and you jumbled them up into one thing and you said, who's the best team out of here? I think we'd all probably agree that Celtic would probably win the league. Um, I don't know how Celtic and Atlanta or Celtic and, Seattle or LA would do if they played 10 times each, but I would say that Celtic would probably win like seven of them, maybe. Um, so if Mark McKenzie was going to go there, you know, like Corey was saying, you beat up on like the crappy teams like St. Mirren and Aberdeen and whoever the hell else is, is in there outside of Rangers, you know, and uh, you get the big Rangers game every year. You know, you're probably playing Europa League or Champions League qualifiers or something like that. Uh, you know, you get eyeballs on you in the rest of Europe. Um, I got no problem with um, American guys, young American guys going to Celtic or going to Rangers, you know, we don't need to have every, you know, we've, we've shifted it over the years now where it used to be like, everybody just was like, well, we got to send guys to England. No, I mean like Germany, you know, Germany, Celtic or Rangers, um, you know, wherever. I mean, Tyler, Tyler Boyd, I guess, uh, scored for Besiktas today. So 
You know, it's not just we got to get. I think we're at now out of that mindset. Like, well, it's England or nothing, right? So I would. I got no problem with McKenzie going to um, going to Celtic. I think that'd be great. You kidding me? A Philadelphia Union transfer a dude to Celtic? That'd be a huge. That would be a huge um, uh, medal of honor for um, for Tommy Wilson and everybody in the academy. You know. Um, Jared says that he loves that they were able to go five in the back at the end, and that Jim was confident enough to do it. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I don't, they wouldn't have been able to do that without the five subs. Um, Glessness, I thought, looked a little, uh, little shaky. I don't know if shaky is the right word, but it looked like he just entered the game. You know, it's hard to come into a game like that. You know, he had the one tactical foul where he just kind of like grabbed the dude and brought him down. But I guess that's what you do. But um, yeah, there's more tactical flexibility when you got the five subs. Um. Jack Fritzadelphia is legendary. Says thoughts on how committed we were to the four four two, even with Fontana as a second striker. Yeah, Jim was asked about this in the press conference. I didn't really talk about the press conference, but um, he said that you know they they thought obviously with Elsino would be better suited to play four two three one. But he said that they worked a lot on what they wanted to do within their shape, and so they didn't want to use the injuries to. They didn't want to come out of that shape just because they had the injuries. They said we're going to stick with what we've been teaching and what we've been working on. Um, for the last like four months, you know, five months, if you go back to February now, the preseason. And um, so I thought that made sense. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with the way that they approached it. And uh, Anthony Fontana is a guy who can get forward and do some stuff. So, no, I mean, I got no, pro- I got no problem with the way that they kind of went about it. You know, I think best case scenario, if these injuries for Sergio and Vooten and, uh, and, and Mishi aren't, aren't that bad, then uh, they can come back in and, and play a role. Uh, in the next game, and you stick with your four four two, you know. And if Elsino is fine, then you bring him in the second half, and then you make your four two three one switch from there. So, um, Vincent says, I'm curious to see if Brujo is an overall net positive replacement for Harris. Uh, such different styles. I like what I've seen so far, but how much will Harris be missed going forward? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It's it's. It's hard to say after like a game like this, or maybe even for this entire tournament, because they're not. I mean, again, they want to, they want to press, yeah, and they want to pressure you in your own half, and they want to turn you over up there. And it's like, you know, that that's the substitution for the possession possession game that Harris uh, brought the last couple of years. So we're not really going to get to see a, you know, a true comparison for what they were versus what they want to be when you're playing in like 95 degree heat and you're missing three strikers. So, you know, there's not going to be as much, you know, I don't think Jose Martinez is going to be all over the place every single game if they're able to do what they want to do further up the field. Um, But I guess we just really weren't able to see that in this game, for instance, you know. Um, Taylor says, what did you think of the broadcast? I kind of got used to the crowd noise being pumped in. I personally like the fake noise, if only to add a little something to it. Now, you know, I mean, we talked about this before, but um, I just like the natural sounds of the game. I love hearing, like, the crunch of the slide tackles. I like hearing Jim Curtin say, what a fucking save, or (laughs) whatever that was after Andre had the big save. There's just more, more, something more, like, sincere and authentic to it. Like, I was watching the Tottenham game. uh, Tottenham-Bournemouth, nil-nil draw. Um put money on that for some reason remind me to never put money on Tottenham but and they're playing the fake crowd noise and it was just like this game is terrible this game is not even worthy of fake crowd noise because if it was a nil-nil it'd just be a bunch of booze and people would be frustrated so I just like the natural sound I, I don't know I like hearing like the um the coaches and the players communicate I love hearing the yelling and like Spanglish and Portuguese and other languages um and you know as for the broadcast itself the huge Adidas <laughs> the like superimposed Adidas thing looks funky, but whatever, they're a sponsor. And, um, you know, I like what they did with the video board at the end and the advertisements. I mean, before I, I always thought that was corny, but, um, 
you know, I get it now as somebody who uh, married a saleswoman and uh, who um, works for Crossing Broad now. I see how we make money. I understand that that's just part of it. You know, you need to have the ads up there and the ad boards. And maybe you're inundated with like 15 different like comp- corporate logos up there or whatever. That's how they're making money. You know, you got to make money. So uh, we can't be naive with that. Uh, REA says, uh, what is the union's plan with Mate Oravets? Are they just giving um, him time to adjust to the U.S. and language before he gets time? Uh, that's what it seems like. I mean, he's young. He's only 21. So I, it would seem as though they saw him as more of a project. Uh, it seems Martinez and Craval are still ahead of him, question mark. Yeah, they are. Um, Martinez had another good game, but having Craval in for more than closing out seems bad. Yeah, I mean, it's an issue. It's like, I mean, how many times is Martinez going to pick up a yellow card before, like, the 60th minute? You know, because then what? You're you're repli- you're relying on, uh, you know, either you're like kind of risking it for the rest of the game, or you're going to bring Warren in to play like 30 minutes or 25 minutes. I don't think that's what you're looking for from Warren at this point in his career. I think you're looking at him as like a 15, 20 minute like close out a game kind of guy. Um, Warren can do a lot of the tackling and a lot of the cover a lot of the ground that Jose can, but I think Jose looks like he's a little bit better of a passer. Um, he's younger, so I guess it is what it is with that. Joe says uh, squad rotation for the next game to keep players fresh. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would do is, so you're playing Miami next because they changed the schedule. So I, th- I think what I would do is I would say, you know, you had McKenzie and Elliott as your center back pairing today. Uh, maybe the next game I would go with McKenzie and Glessness. And then if they qualify, let Glessness and Elliott play the third game. And then every each center back gets a rest. Um, Ilsenio, you know, maybe Sergio Santos will be ready to play this next game. Um Cashburg would be nice to get him a little bit of a break so he doesn't have to go 90 again. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Anthony Fontana get a start. Yeah, I mean, you got the guys, use them. You know, the best case scenario, though, is that they qualify. They get six points uh, out of the first two games, and then you can just play the entire bench, um, you know, against uh, against Orlando, I guess now is the third game. So uh, Max says, Yedlin would be a good fit for your 3-5-2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were joking about it because um, the George was – uh, giving me shit for asking about formations in the press conference or whatever, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they, I think the three-five-two ship is kind of sailed because I think they were they would have been better for that with with Madunian and with Rosenberry on the team. You know, Keegan was a natural wing back, and Madunian and can kind of sit back there in front of three center backs and doesn't have to worry about playing as much defense. You know, I think I think they are they are they're a four-four-two team and they can go four-two-three-one if they need to. You know. I mean, the three-five-two is just going to be to close out games. You know, it's just going to be to throw an extra center back on there to help, you know, knock crosses out of the box and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, John says, "I'm interested in your thoughts about the five subs. Does it help or hurt the union? And how does it change the strategy?" Yeah, I mean, I guess you got to look at what Jim is. You know, I mean, he's a defensive. He was a center back, and he's a defensive-minded coach. He always has been. You know, and so I think. Uh, I think even if they have Vooten or if they have uh, Galena or Sergio Santos or whatever, I mean, I think he's still probably going to do two attacking subs, and I think he's probably going to still throw that. I just have a hunch that he would throw the third center back on there just for the hell of it anyway. You know, that he might throw Warren in as an extra body just for the hell of it. I I think he's going to try to hold for defensive subs, you know. Because, I mean, typically what what do you do when you, you know, when you have three subs, you'd sub a striker or two, you'd sub a winger. You know, maybe throw a D-mid or somebody to help close out a game and that's it, you know. But now you can do two of each, right? Like I was saying with Corey, you can do two attacking subs, two defensive subs, and hold the fifth one for whatever if you need it. Um, you know, you saw I think somebody started cramping up around like 82 minutes in that game today. So 
I didn't have any problem with Jim holding the, the subs as long as he did because it's just it's unpredictable. I mean, they're playing okay. They're playing decent enough, and they have the lead at that point. So I don't I don't know if they have to do anything to um, anything beyond that. So sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, Doctor Strange Dupe says, "Does winning this match change expectations for the tournament?" No, I don't think it does. I mean, I think everybody went in with high expectations anyway because originally they were going to play Nashville and Miami, and they were they had two uh, two expansion teams. I think New York is better than Orlando and Miami, so you could say that they've this was the hardest group game that they had, and this was the biggest game out of the three. Uh, you know, depending on how you feel about Orlando, this was kind of like watching the United States in like a world cup where they got past the, in that world cup where they got past Ghana in the first round. And you're like, Oh, okay. You know, you know, now we're set up for the rest of the tournament. You know, I mean, I don't feel necessarily one way or another about this win, but if they lost, you'd be like, Oh shit. Okay. Now what? Right. So yeah, I mean, this stuff mean matters, matters a lot more because the, uh, there's not as many games as the stakes are higher. So, Oh, this is a good question from John. Uh, he says, how much do you think no crowd impacts the referee? Uh, given research uh, indicates that the crowd's impact on official decisions is primary the reason for home field advantage. Uh, it seemed like the cards are pretty uneven. Uh, would a team gain an advantage if they coordinated their verbal appeals? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because the, the referee, like subconsciously, I mean, when I was reffing, um, you know, I didn't have thousands of screaming fans in the background, but you had angry parents yelling at you. I think anybody would be lying if they told you that you don't hear, uh, you know, product, you know, people protesting and yelling and, and, and stuff like that. I don't know if it necessarily affected how I ever called a game, but, um, it, you do, you do hear it. You hear noise in the background. It just makes the, makes the, I don't know if it makes the stakes higher, but it just makes it more, makes it more of a moment, I guess, for you. I guess you feel like there's more eyeballs on you. Maybe there's just more pressure because you feel like more people are watching you. Um, you know, whereas in this, I feel like referees might be a little more loose because they know that it's only the players who are on them. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, interested to see how it plays out in these other games, and then we'll kind of have more of a sample size to 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 go from there. Um, uh, Guido says, "Good to see that they showed the game here in Cancun on the local ESPN." Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, you know, it wouldn't if the union were on PHL seventeen in a normal season that they wouldn't be. You know, that's why that's why it's huge that they got back when they did. You know, because they're the only game in town. They're exclusive, and now you're on ESPN in Cancun. So there you go. Um, Richard says Blake needs to move to Europe. He's wasting his time in MLS. Yeah, I mean, I think that ship has sailed. You know, I mean, of course, goalkeepers can play until they're older, but. Uh, yeah, you know, um, his feet probably have to improve, but maybe he's still got a chance to go over there. I'm not sure. Um, Trey Hoffner says, uh, El Brujo is great, and I'm worried about the aggressiveness he has. Me too. And uh, well, last one here is Vince just has some observations. Uh, number one, Wagner looks shaky. Yeah, we didn't really get a ton out of Kai. I think he had that one really good tackle in the box at the end of the game, but uh, keep in mind too, he, did, he was injured to start the year, so not only is he coming back from the leg injury, but he's playing his very – first game in the heat after coming off the injury and I I didn't really expect too much from him to begin with uh Aronson covered every inch of the pitch yeah I think he put in a really good sh- I think he was definitely the most mobile 
mobile guy out there. It's interesting because I think he and Jamiro ran into each other a couple times. There's one run that he made with the ball. I think he dribbled a dude, and then Jamiro just took the ball right off his feet. And Aronson was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, so they're going to have to – those two are going to have to figure out the spacing because it's, it's different with uh, without Madunian, you know, and Jamiro, I think, and Brendan were on top of each other a couple times um, during this game. And there's Vooten question mark, Orovets question mark. Yeah, I don't know with either of those guys. And uh, he says, can we start calling Creval the Anaconda because he comes in and strangles the game to death? Yeah, good call. I mean, that's that's Warren's game, and that's what he should be doing at this point in his career. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to have somebody on the bench to do that, you know. I think everybody everybody needs a closer uh, in some way, shape, or form, and you're allowed to do that. You are afforded the ability to do that in every game now with the uh, with the five subs, so – all right, well, there you go. How about it? Nice to talk about an actual game for once. Nice to talk about a, a Philadelphia Union win. Thanks to Corey for coming on the uh, the program, uh, and thanks to everybody for listening. We will do another one after the Miami game. <laughs>